0: Flying Field Outfitters is a fly shop and guide service located in Bend, Oregon. We specialize in fly fishing the Lower Deschutes River, Cascade Lakes, the Crooked River, the Fall River, and many other fisheries in the area. Tune into our podcast for updates on fishing reports, techniques, tactics, and fishing stories. All right, you ready to get going? Yeah. All right, I'm sitting here in Drake Park with Brian Husky, the founder of Keep em Wet Fishing. Uh, he's actually from Bend, spent most of his life growing up here, and has probably fished the banks that we were sitting along. Have you done any of that back when you were a kid in high school, running around or anything?
1: Yeah, I fished um, not a lot right here in Drake Park, but downstream from here in town, I fished a lot. And we're sitting right here by the footbridge, and definitely um, have some cool memories of high school days and cross country racing and the Lava Bear Classic was the Bend High cross country race that was held right here in Drake Park. I'm not sure if they still do it or not, but yeah, we ran across the the course, came across this bridge. I remember one particular year I was in the JV race and led the JV race and I remember coming across this bridge in the lead and we had one last little lap to go before we finished right over here, and I completely exploded, <laughs> and I ended up finishing like maybe fifth or something. Oh, I, dro- awesome. I dropped way <laughs> off. But I, re- I remember coming across this bridge, and the whole park is packed because it was a big event, a big race. The adrenaline of all that, and then just like not having enough gas in the tank to hold the lead through the finish. <laughs> poor, poor race strategy. <laughs> hey, you probably learned a lot of lessons from then though, huh? Yeah, I suppose
0: so. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, let's get into it. Uh, can you just tell me off the bat, what is Keep'em Wet Fishing?
1: Yeah, Keep'em Wet Fishing is an organization that uh, works to bridge the, science, the fishery science and the angling communities and promoting best case best scenario practices for um, the fish that we um, catch and happen to uh, put back. Sweet. So obviously you love fishing. Um, How did you get here? How did you
0: find yourself starting Keep'em Wet fishing?
1: Well, you know, Keep'em Wet was really uh, pretty much an accident. It was just a a scenario of what I was seeing in social media and the popularity of hashtags and... um, Pictures of fish that were described as catch and release that were being photographed in scenarios where it's like that fish isn't going to live, dude. And um, thinking to myself, how many people are looking at this and seeing like, oh, okay, so this is what catch and release looks like. Cool. Um, And so with that, I, um, you know, wanted to start promoting a way of um, showcasing better handling Um, in examples on social media and uh, the hashtag um, has a bit of a story the way that it came together but basically it's it it it, uh, represented um, one of the first fundamental things that a person could do with a fish to have um, have a better chance of survival sweet
0: that's awesome so uh, what kind of lit the fire under you to get this really moving and going
1: along and um, who do you have support you be behind it at this time? You know, um, a couple of friends of mine early on were, were really helpful. Uh, Paul Moynister, who's a good buddy, um, he was really um, a motivating factor and really encouraged me to take what this hashtag had become and the misunderstandings that were surrounding it and really define it and give it meaning and uh set the, kind of try and set the course uh for like hey, this keep them wet thing is not about um you can't photograph fish, it's not about not keeping fish, it's um and it's certainly not intended to be um weaponized or used as a divisive measure in fishing culture, it's um it's something that we want to do good things with and so him along with uh, Dr. Andy Danielchuk um, a science, fishery science professor um, were the kind of to the two people early on that really helped me put this together and develop a website that really gave a definition to what this thing meant and with that we reached out to other partners in the fishing community and industry as well as ambassadors um, that will make their living in fisheries of one form or another and then um, and, and then different kinds of partners from individual anglers to companies and brands and other conservation organizations media outlets I mean we just started throwing the throwing the net out there and like hey this is what we're doing and this is what we're trying to promote who's with us. And with that, we got um, a lot of partners. Awesome.
0: Uh, So one thing I I keep hearing you point out right now is just the fishing community, uh, which is interesting because I think there is just an overall understanding that this really only applies to fly fishing, right? Because many people that are on Instagram and on social media posting these are fly anglers. But uh, obviously, fishing is fishing, and we want to keep fish alive, right? And uh, protected. So how how do you plan on kind of approaching those uh, communities outside of fly
1: fishing yeah that's a a really important area for us to expand into and again a perception that we want to try and um, make clear that you know this keep them wet fishing thing is not just a fly fishing movement and it is not opposed to harvesting fish and it is not Um, Something that only applies to people that are self-described catch-and-release anglers. Um, I mean, this really applies to any person that throws any line in the water anywhere in the world. Um, In a simple sense of education, understanding and awareness of different scenarios and circumstances that are going to make a difference um, in the rate of catch-and-release mortality. Um, you know, catch and release is used as a, um, as a tool by agencies all around the world that manage fisheries. And in order for catch and release to be effective as a tool, it's understood that it, those releases need to be successful. And um, with social media, um, the more people that are setting good examples, then the more people out there that are, um, seeing those and learning from those good examples, regardless of what kind of fishing they do, because um, it's, you know, the guy that wants to fill the cooler with salmon or um, any other species around the world, you know, um, whether they're catching it for fun or catching it to literally live off of, um, you know, throwing those fish back um, is an important part of the you know, the bigger picture of why are you throwing it back if it's not going to live. Totally. That's
0: awesome. Um, I actually, when I first met you just a couple of weeks ago now in Florida at IFTD and ICAST, I was able to sit in and listen to the panel you had and it was pretty eye-opening for me because, you know, growing up in the Northwest, i spent a lot of my time trout fishing, but. You know, as I'm getting older, I've been able to travel a little bit, do some saltwater fishing, and uh, one thing that was talked about right off the bat was uh, the bonefish, which I thought was crazy. Uh, The mortality rate was 100%, if I recall, uh, from the testing you guys did, um, or Dr. Daniel Chuck did. And uh, there was some other folks on the on the panel that are focused on saltwater fisheries, and um, how how are you guys approaching going towards that? getting the word out in that community
1: yeah it's it is eye-opening um in that example of that uh, bonefish mortality um was was referring to a scenario where they um were catching and releasing bonefish in an area where there were a lot of predators that were keyed in on that and what was happening is that those released bonefish um i believe they determined it was a pheromone or something that that was a scent that was being a distress scent that was being released and the sharks and other predator fish were keying in on that and targeting those fish and so it was um yeah that was mark harbaugh i think that actually was um along with that um and so yeah it, 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 it exactly it's eye-opening we're not saying that that is the the status quo that 100 percent of bonefish uh you know have uh, suffer mortality so that was a specific uh, scenario just to clarify that but eye-opening in that like my god there's things that people don't realize that can happen to fish after they let them go like who would have thought that you know that fish was gonna be eaten by an, a predator because of that um, so just an example of what science teaches us um, and I've lost my train of thought on where the next question was supposed to go.
0: <laughs> some of the other, uh, some of the other guys on the panel uh, were saltwater anglers. Uh, yeah, on maybe the conventional side, and uh, specifically uh, billfish. Which, yeah, um, and I think that's uh, that was pretty interesting to hear for me as well, just because uh, you know you kind of assume you go catch a big fish, you pull it on the boat, you take a nice image, um, which now you find out is uh, potentially illegal um, in the Atlantic. So um, can you talk about maybe the efforts of uh, that captain?
1: Yeah, Captain Tony DeJulian um, is an example of our work to expand outside of fly fishing. And um, Tony is a um, blue water um, tournament type, uh, tournament angling style um, captain. And um, fishes out of Florida in the Atlantic for billfish and sailfish, and he is a very active um, advocate for what we're doing in raising awareness with that community, um, because those large billfish that are caught offshore, um, they're just as susceptible to uh, uh, catch and release mortality as anything else. And the, you know, for so long the old school standard was that you know you caught a marlin and you're you know if if Even if you were planning to release it, you know, they were, you know, hauling those big fish up on deck and um, That process of getting them up on a boat banging around and the air exposure um, Really really was impacting their survival rates and so um, He is an example of some of the people that are outside the fly fishing community that are very serious about their role of stewardship and fisheries and awareness and and what is kind of accepted as the norm uh, for within a uh, you know any respective angling community within the peers just kind of within each little cult different kind of fishing culture sweet that's
0: awesome man I think
1: Pretty crazy seeing it uh, grow from just
0: a small hashtag on Instagram to where it's coming these days. Um, Speaking of Instagram, uh, I think you might have some statistics on your keeping wet and the hashtags and how can people be engaged with that on social media?
1: Oh yeah you know um, the the more people that are aware that what the Keep'em What hashtag represents is more than just a trendy funny little name Um, it's it's got real meaning behind it and so with that in mind you know we encourage people to also think about using uh, the hashtag Keep'em What Fishing and or tagging or mentioning Keep'em What Fishing specifically um, because we found there's a lot you know there's two hundred thousand you know some odd uh, keep them wet photos on Instagram alone right now um, and I've found out that there's a lot of people that don't realize that there's such that there's keep them wet organization um, and so that's a big reason why I work hard to kind of try and tell this story um, not so much that I'm trying to just promote and you know blow my own horn but it's just like hey Keep what actually means something with real people doing real work, real scientists, and real potential for, for positive impacts. And so, tying that, the popularity of that phrase to the organization um, is important for us so that people have a chance to check out the website, keepemwhat.org, and actually be like, oh, wow, look at all of this stuff that I can learn and share with others. Sweet. Speaking of learning, it's a great segue. Uh, Let's talk about uh, the keep them wet
0: principles real quick. Um, I can just run through um, them. Number one being minimize air exposure. Number two is eliminate contact with dry surfaces. And number three, reduce handling. walk us through each of those briefly
1: and kind of explain what each one of those means? Yeah you know the the first one um, reducing air exposure um, it's it's kind of a no-brainer and kind of the you know the namesake of the of the whole keep them wet name and and meaning and that's simply having an awareness of how long you're gonna lift a fish out of the water you know whether you want to think about it in the terms of you run a marathon and then uh, you know how long are you gonna want to hold your breath Um, and you know if that's a way for people to think just to be aware of like hey how long is this fish actually out of the water Um, but just simply like really paying attention to that there's so many times where I've seen people on the water that land a fish and especially as much as I encourage using you know and I strongly encourage using a net they net a fish and then walk around and hold the fish up in the air in the net for the entire duration and it baffles me as to why a person can't simply keep that fish that is in a net in the water and so again just that awareness of like that fundamental principle reducing the air exposure and you know being aware of that and keeping it on mind, eliminating contact with dry surfaces you know that's another thing that was kind of like a big part of the keep them wet when i would see fish that are laid out on the dry bank that are being hugged up against clothing or are lying on the the deck of a boat or something like that. Um, Dry surfaces especially remove more slime and that slime layer is very important for the fish's um, health. That slime serves just like skin does on us. And you take a cheese grater and peel off huge chunks of your skin, you're gonna have infections and all kinds of problems, not to mention the obvious. Um, so, um, the limiting contact with dry surface is another fundamental. And then the final principle is just reducing the handling. Again, just like paying attention to like, all right, how much do I really need to be touching this fish? Um, that's gonna have, um, the, the, the more you can reduce how much you're just actually handling and touching a fish, the better. Yep, that's awesome.
0: Uh, so on your website as well, there's a couple tips. Uh, can you run us through those real quick? You want me to give a little overview? Real yeah,
1: quick? you know we've got a lot of tips there on the website. Um, so yeah, let's maybe just pick a couple that, um, that you that you want to talk about and
0: Okay, I think uh, tip number one, uh,
1: reduce angling duration. Yeah, and, and that doesn't mean fish less. <laughs> that means fight them hard, you know. Um, put, put the wood to fish, and uh, the faster you can land a fish and release it, overall, that's gonna be better. Uh,
0: let's see carry hook removal devices.
1: Yeah, you know if you've ever tried to remove uh, a hook with your fingers on a, Especially in a smaller fish and you're trying to you know get your fingers down in its mouth That's a real pain and and you end up holding the fish squeezing the fish dropping the fish just that much more fumbling so um, Using a device whether it's a, a little catch-and-release tool or something that you create that runs down the line and pricks the fly off um with with the backwards pressure off the hook, or even just, you know, your hemostats, your pliers, your forceps, whatever you want to use. um, That's just, those things work, and they, they, fundamentally, they just make the process faster, which is better for the fish. Sweet.
0: Uh, There's been quite a bit of talk about using nets, and one of the tips is only use rubber nets. Can you kind of go into that?
1: yeah you know fortunately the rubber um, net material has definitely become more common now um, and that is a much much better netting uh, material for fish in the uh, in respects to the um, the way that knotted uh, old nylon rope or knotted nets um, they split fins they get hung up in the maxillaries much easier and they also um, have been proven to um, have more of a slime removing uh, effect than uh those rubber those rubber nets and so the rubber nets are definitely better on the fish for that uh s- surface um, contact surface and, and and what's happening there and plus um, nylon rope nets, you know, suck if you've ever got your fly stuck in a net. That's another just real pain and so rubber nets don't, you don't. you don't end up with that hassle.
0: Yep. Uh, awesome. Like you said, there's a bunch of great tips on the website. I think one of the last ones uh, I want to cover is carefully revive fish. I think just personally, I've seen anglers out there grab a fish and pull it back and forth in mud and silt. and Uh, personally I understand that that's not the best for the fish so can you kind of go over how to properly or not necessarily properly but how to carefully revive
1: (laughs) yeah yeah um that's funny you say proper like we talked about last night at flying field outfitters here in Bend um, the, the, the term proper fish handling is something that we kind of roll our eyes at, and we try and like get people relating to keep them wet fishing to say like yeah you know it's not a matter of being proper and proper you know we just we do the best we can and when it comes to reviving fish um, yeah there's a few things that are pretty interesting the first first thing to know about it is if the fish is ready to go don't screw with it. As soon as a fish is like, like ready to kick off and go, um, it's important to um, let it go when it's ready to go and not sit there and think that you're doing it any good, doing it any favors by holding on to it longer. Um, and second of all, yeah, reviving fish, um, by pushing them through the water, water needs to flow in their mouth and out their gills. And um, so when you're going kind of back and forth, that's not as good as just simply pushing a fish forward. Um, the backward motion is kind of like a, um, a, a stall in the actual oxygen processing that the gills work with. Um, water is only effectively um, oxygenating the gills when it is passing one direction. It's, it's kind of like a one-way valve and so when they're going backwards they're actually not breathing. Um, so um, that's important to just get that water any way you can going in the mouth and out the gills. And importantly this does not
0: apply only to trout
1: yeah absolutely you know i mean these things apply to any kind of fish and that's something that we've also worked with um in being aware with our tips and our principles that you know these things apply to any kind of fish anywhere and we don't get too specific we don't get narrowed in on um any one kind of fish or any one circumstance um you know these are things that are um that'll just apply across the board um, okay, that's uh one last thing major thing I
0: like to cover is what you told me what keep em wet fishing is What is it
1: not? Yeah, you know keep em wet fishing is not just a fly fishing movement It applies to angling of all kinds. and keep them wet fishing is not in any way opposed to keeping your fish and harvesting your fish uh, we 100% Love support dig promote whatever, you know going out and, and har harvesting fish um for the table totally totally support that and um we are also not divisive we don't want anything to do with online um, negative commenting with uh, trolling with trying to shame anglers trying to look down on other anglers you know there's a lot of you know kind of hardcore disciples out there that you know use their aggressive opinions in in the name of keep them wet and you know we're here to say that like hey we do not have anything to do with that we don't support that we want to just simply be a resource for people that want to learn and we're not we're not fish police that's going to be jamming this message down anybody's throat
0: it's great i I think people uh definitely tend to shy away from the fish police you know um (laughs) being that we're talking on a an outfitter podcast right now is there do you have any tips for outfitters out there and how they can train their guides and those guys can teach their clients? You know, I think what I heard a lot in Florida is it kind of all really starts with the guide. It's gotta start somewhere, right? And if a guide's teaching someone how to fish, they should be teaching, you know, fish handling and uh, releasing the fish the right way and that kind of thing. So do you have any recommendations on to other outfitters out there on how they getting you know, has to keep them wet message along
1: you know the guides out there they're in a role as a, in a leadership position as um, somebody that the client is looking to for direction and for instruction and so um, it's pretty a great opportunity for guides to not only talk about but set good examples in this respect and as far as the outfitters the shop owners the managers and the social media content people who work with these outfitters like those guys also have an opportunity to take a look at the pictures that the guides are giving them to be sharing and it's mentioning to them like hey so um, when we're on the water um, we want our guides to be setting this example in the in the media that we that we then share um, on social media and so um, kind of at all different levels of an outfitter um, there's opportunity to um, be leaders and set good examples wonderful
0: Um, so lastly uh, anything exciting big news coming for you what can we look forward to with keeping wet fishing
1: Uh, tell me what you got coming of course we got all kinds of exciting things that are coming up Um, you know part new partnerships you know we developed some great new relationships while we were at um, IFTD and ICAST and that includes Um, poking into uh, some of the conventional tackle world and getting some uh, discussions underway with some of those big brands and companies Um, so that is going to be huge for us we've also um, got some great agreements with a lot of the companies the vendors in fly fishing to start getting our materials tips and information and cards um, included in a lot of the products out there and a lot of the packaging um, and we are working on a new Them what Advocate program that is going to provide an opportunity for a lot more anglers out there to feel like they are officially connected to and officially supporting what we're doing. Um, and so um, that's another thing that we're looking forward to and hoping to have coming out here um, in, in 2019, if not, maybe even sooner. Uh, we have, you know, there's a lot of things on our plate. Myself. Sasha Clark, Daniel Chuck, and Annie Andy Daniel Chuck. We are a small team, and (laughs) we have a lot of balls in the air with this um, that we've uh, committed our time to, and uh, and it's um, it's a lot of work, but it's it's paying off, and we have exciting things in the future. So, um, yeah, we're stoked about that.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I've been. Great uh, sitting here, talking with you about it. Listened to you last night, listened to it in Florida, and gonna hear some more of it tonight, so.
1: I appreciate you taking the time while you're in town to sit down and talk about keeping wet with me. Yeah, Kyle, thank you. Thanks to um, your, um, you know, your your whole outfit with Flying Field Outfitters and, and Scott Cook, um, Arian Stevens for helping with that as well, and uh, Deschutes Brewery for this event we're going to do tonight. A lot of great people here in the Central Oregon angling community. Uh, it's fun to come home, see a lot of friends, and uh, tip some pints tonight. So thanks for the opportunity. Looking forward to well, what we do in the future.
0: Absolutely. And
1: keep uh, keep in touch with the podcast
0: because we're going to sit down with Arian Stevens and talk about uh, photographing fish uh, along with the keep them wet principles. So, thanks a lot. Great. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the Flying Field Outfitters podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and stay tuned for new episodes coming out. If you have a request for a podcast, please reach out to Kyle at flyingfield.com. Thanks again for tuning in and have a nice day. We'll see you on the water.